like, and so some of the men that I find myself around, like you included, like those revelations of vulnerability is seen as a strength. You know, it's something worthy of affirming, not something just to allow. And I think that's helping craft this new story of masculinity when like the capacity to be in our hearts and express our hearts is uplifted by one another and uplifted culturally. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships, Let's Talk About It. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the importance of men's groups and men's work. Council of Brotherhood, and I have a conversation with a neighbor, somebody who is near and dear in my heart, Thomas Duchin. He is a returning guest. I loved the podcast that we did back in 2019 on the relationship of business through the lens of giving. I will have a link in the show notes for that particular episode. And I love being in Thomas's presence. It's, a, it's really beautiful for me. Thomas is about 28 years old. I just turned 60. And we have this relationship, of course, uh, the feeling of my wife Rainbow and I being kind of parenting figures to him in some way, but also he's uh, very much a, a soul peer in my life. I love his depth of feeling and his presence and his awareness and mostly his heart. And it definitely comes through in this podcast. And I'm going to do something that is a little different than what I've done in the past. When I have had a podcast where myself or somebody else have had a long pause, I've usually edited that out. But in this episode, I'm not editing those out. One, I want you to feel the intention and presence when Thomas takes a pause, he closes his eyes, and he really feels the answer that's coming up authentically through him. I think that's a wonderful quality. And sometimes for other people, that could be a little awkward to be witness of a long pause. I love it and I want you to experience it. So I'm just giving you a little heads up that that's not a mistake and that he is not feeling awkward or nervous. He's closing his eyes and he's feeling into himself. So I actually want to honor that because that is a way of being for Thomas that I absolutely adore and am actually inspired by too. So let me tell you a little bit about Thomas. He is a men's work facilitator. He's a farmer and a storyteller. He lives with his family in the mountains surrounding Asheville, North Carolina. Thomas is a believer in life and humans' innate capacity to bring forth more beauty. For nine years, Thomas led Daymaker, a social impact startup that grew to serve kids in over 30 states. And you can also find out more about Thomas in my show notes and at heartofmen.community. That website describes the Council of Brotherhood that he is involved in. I think this is a very good podcast for both men and women to really understand some things that men grapple with about um, how to be close to one another, to be who we are and vulnerable the isolation or alienation, another word that comes up that we talk about is malination, men that are alienated from other men, and how that is becoming so destructive to our souls and our own society and our culture. So having a council of brotherhood 
a form for men to really share and be who they are is so vitally important. So we talk about that. And before we get on, I also want to say stay tuned for the very end because I'm going to make a little bit of announcement around a men's group. I want you to be able to hear that at the end. And don't forget to go to my website, prepo.com. You can learn more about my therapy practice as well as my coaching practice. As you may hear, I don't have sponsors. I am independent and also rely on you, my listeners, for financial donations to help make this podcast happen. So I'm very grateful for all of you that over the years have donated. And if you wish to donate and that you found this podcast helpful for you, you can go to my website, prepo.com, hit the podcast page and support the podcast button. And you can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you. Another way that you can support the podcast is to share it, to spread it out to people that you think will benefit from its content. You can also check me out on Instagram at Prepotoplitsky and also Twitter. Okay, everybody. I'm wishing you and sending you lots of love, a lot of good interactions, I'm sending you some good, peaceful vibes as the heat of the summer is getting to us at times. And I know that we can be short and irritable, but we just got to remember to just be kind to one another. Come from your heart, spread some love. Okay, everybody, here we go. My conversation with Thomas Duchin on the importance of men's group and men's work. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. So I do love being in the presence. And it's a sweet moment to be able to do that again. I loved your intention that you just put out a little bit ago before we started. Do you want to? Just speak to that again. Mm. I can hear it. <sighs> yeah. I want us to put down any attachment to this being a good podcast or this being something that we would define as successful. And I hope to leave this time together as I walk out your front door into that enchanted little front yard to feel present and connected to you and connected to myself and grateful to have gotten to touch some unfolding together that could not have been touched unless we were sitting together in this space in this way. And so I'm wanting to be in service to kind of that wild, intimate, unknown, that space that quivers when we're silent together that's just on the edge of truth. And hopefully there's some capacity to swirl into that today beyond the stories of our personalities and what we think is the right thing to say or what we think is connective and Maybe there's some access to that place of truth that just is all-encompassing of all of those things, but is not in service to the personality. Hmm. And I would love to, I would love to be walking in that in so many more moments of my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that, that that's a, an intention that you want to have here. Yeah. A lot of men don't want to want to do that with each other, just kind of be in that that space where it just unfolds yeah. because it's scary. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like one of the biggest themes in my life right now is my inability to be with the unknown in a moment by moment basis. And these mechanisms of control that have kept me safe are so sneaky and they find themselves in all parts of my life. And at the core of that is just a deep fear of, oh, I'm unsafe if this moment is actually beyond my control. And yet the greatest longing in me right now is to actually be in that unknown because that's where life is, where I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen in this moment, you know? Um, and that attentiveness and that presence is actually where I'm finding like the juice of my life. That man, there's this great mystery tour going on around me. And like, am I able to access it? 
or am I stuck in? Is my aperture really small because I'm needing this to be something? I'm needing you to be something to feel safe, right? Or can I actually be here? So maybe in a podcast we can find that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, the word of, of course, growth came up to me in those moments that come come out of lack of control. Just my own capability of like, wow, I really showed up and I surprised myself the way that I really <laughs> showed up because the things that I felt or said really came through instead of contriving the moment. And I know that, I think I personally do that around men more than I do women. Yeah. For some reason growing up, I was more comfortable about being myself with women in some way. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I wasn't comfortable being totally myself at all with women. It was more another side of me that I was comfortable with. And with men, I always thought that I was comfortable, but it was more of this patent way of being, you know, this funny guy, this cool guy. And I always thought that was authentic, but it didn't stretch my vulnerability or the moment of lack of control. Cause I didn't want to not have control, especially around a lot of guys that I knew. And and I'm just coming to the thought of like, you know, turning 60 the other day. Yes, sir, turning <laughs> 60 the other day. And this part of like, what was success in my life? And and it just really came through to me of just success of just being a better me each each day that I can, more of myself coming out, which is all about letting go of control. So I can just kind of slip into the moment. And that to me is success, slipping into the moment and and see being accepting of what comes out of that. Yeah. Do, yeah, I'm gonna receive that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna see you doing that. Hmm. Do, I know we haven't really talked much about beyond the text, which for something like male alienation from one another um, do we want to begin to circle that? Do you have, is there something else, a seed alive that? Well, yeah, I would love to circle it because I, I do know that you have been at times immersed more around men in their own growth, in their own um, vulnerability, but also around the alienation, creating a brotherhood that men most men are alienated in this world. They're doing what they think that they need to do, whether that's their work or their family and um, a lot of things that are known to them. And so they're alienated from other men in the way of support, loyalty, um, sacrifice, in so many of the ways that can enrich um, the fabric that men come together in strength. So yeah, Yeah. we'd love to circle it with with some of what what you've been experiencing yourself and some of the interactions that you're having with other men. So to give a little bit of context, um, for the past couple years, I found myself in a lot of men's spaces that have really fed my capacity to be in touch with myself. And then over the past year, I've begun holding some of these men's spaces um, for guys, 20s, 30s, 40s, all over the country. And we meet on Zoom and then we get together in person at some point during the cohort. And where I wanna open is anybody who incarnated as a man at this time is coming into a world where we are at the end of an operating system. We're at the end of a way of being of what we've known as the masculine. And you could say that's the past 2000 years. You could say that's the past 5,000, the past 10,000. But we've reached a point where like the manhood that you grew up in and that I grew up steeped in, like no longer has a place on this earth, you know? And it's the exploitation, it's the taking, it's the being something other than what we are. It's the masking behind strength. Like all of these stories we know to be the dominant myth of masculinity, like they're coming to a close. And so if we came here at this time on earth as a man, I have to believe we came here to be some part of a story of redemption. Mm -hmm. And to let some of that go 
and to bring forth this new way and perhaps a very ancient way of actually being in our masculine essence, you know, which has a deep relationship to our feminine essence and to the feminine more broadly. And we can get into some of that. And what I want to say in this moment is that if we came here at that time to be a shepherd in that way, to let something die through us and to let something else be reborn, there's absolutely no way we can do that alone because the burden is massive. And so we sit in these circles and the circle that just wrapped up was 12 guys and all types of men, right? Like you had people that were like blue collar workers. You had people running their own blue collar business. You had people working at tech startups. You had people that were filmmakers. You had people that were farmers. Five out of those 12 men came from single mother households, you know? So it was like a wide variety of the masculine. And an hour and a half into circle, if you were just listening to the themes being shared, you would not be able to differentiate one man from another mm. because we're all carrying some version of those same wounds and we're all carrying some of those same longings to heal those wounds that are associated with being a man. Like what? What are some of those that? So, yeah, the first one that's coming up to me is the burden of providing. And so for all of these men, whether they were single and dating abundantly or whether they were committed parents or committed parents on the way out of a marriage, there was such an enormous feeling that they had to provide. And that burden was often like incredibly overwhelming. And it is for me too, in some sense, you know, um, that we're responsible like in the, in the most um, basic physical realm of taking care of life and taking care of others. Um, Another theme that is coming up to me that we worked with a lot was the idea that we know and this um, need to perform that we know, right? And like probably the most consistent access to grief in this space was when somebody would be in this space of pause, somebody might invite in, can you just say, I don't know? And we're just going to sit here with you and say, I don't know, I don't know. And like, even as I say that, some tears can well up of like, you. every man starts saying that and they start crying because it's a space to just say, I don't know. And so for that to be in a circle and you realize like, oh man, I'm not the only one carrying that burden of being the provider. I'm not that only one really struggling with how to be intimate in a good way that isn't like violent, you know? And I'm not the only one struggling with this idea that I have the answers always it seems to like demystifies and depersonalize the shame. And when some of that shame melts away, like so much resource comes online to actually just be with that feeling, to just give yourself to that feeling of, man, it's really hard to be the provider in a world that asks me to work 70 hours a week and bust my ass and barely make enough money. Like, man, it's hard, but we can actually just be with that reality without all the shame that I'm broken or I messed up or I'm not doing a good enough job. And what do you find when men are expressing that and sharing that in a group of brotherhood that they're that they're able to be witnessed and seen? What, what what's the experience of that? Because I I know some men that I talk to about that possibility, and they say, "Well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to expose myself to that degree in front of other men, even even when they are similar in the way that I think?" Yeah. Hmm. It would be easy to say something like, well, once we give ourselves to that, the problem goes away. Like suddenly we have the breakthrough and we have the answer to what's been plaguing our intimate relationship with our wife for four years. And it doesn't seem to be like that. You know, it seems to be that the quote unquote problem or challenge still present because it's just part of our lives. It's part of what we came here to be with. And there seems to be, the word that's coming to me is like a levity that enters the picture. And the probably most consistent current that I've seen in the spaces that I've led is one of joy and celebration and praise for one another. And it's like actually in letting ourselves be revealed, this is it, in letting ourselves be revealed in that way, like we're opening up some chamber of our heart. And when that chamber of our heart is open then love gets to come into that place. And so it's not just 50% of Thomas that is loved, right? The 50% of Thomas that is strong and can carry the world and knows what he's doing and is wise. That's the 50% of Thomas that's always been loved, right? Because it's what affirms our story of the world. Mm -hmm. 
but in revealing that other 50% or 30% or 10% being willing to let somebody into that, then like what comes back is acceptance of that part of us. And that just feels liberating. Yeah. And so the problem hasn't left, but there we are actually allowed for the first time maybe in our life to have that challenge and for just to be a part of who we are. And so it actually feels like in this space, like we're not like taking things away. We're actually just spiraling more into the all encompassing whole of it all. And there we sit together and there's something a lot more bearable when you're sitting there around the fire together. And you know, like, hey, my, my belonging or um, my role in life is not dependent upon the absence of this challenge. Like here's the deepest belonging I've ever felt in this space. And it's the space that I'm actually most willing to reveal myself. You know, like that's the opposite of what we're taught. And of course mm -hmm. it's intuitive. Like mm -hmm. when we're revealed, we can actually belong. But I think that's what, we're, that's what we're looking for is just to be like, oh, I'm accepted as I am. I'm accepted with these unintegrated ways that I treat my wife because it triggers what I saw in my parents growing up. I'm actually just accepted like that. I don't need to change to earn your friendship or your admiration, your celebration. Like you're giving me those things knowing that I still talk to my son in a way that's hurtful. Like that's where the strength is. Yeah, and that touches me saying that like, yeah, we're just like wanting to be allowed to be who we are with all of the complexities of that and everything we've inherited. We just want to, that to be allowed. And how do you do that being also one of the facilitators? Like, is that a challenge? Men looking at you to, to facilitate and direct some of the movement, some of the conversation, but yet I would imagine that you wanna fully show who you are in the moment you want to fully show up in your vulnerability and in those spaces of your heart. So how do you have this expectation of agenda without falling into being that provider for the group? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I feel like it could only be asked by somebody in your seat <laughs> who is sitting on the other side of people all the all day who you're wanting to be present and vulnerable with, but also you're holding the space, you know? So thank you. Um, I'm still learning mm -hmm. and I'm still stretching into the fullest version of myself in that space. And in these first few circles, I've actually found it really difficult to like show up as the strong space holder and also be vulnerable because there's some capacity or component to being vulnerable that includes an invitation to fall apart. You know, and some guys would begin their two minute heart share, which is how we kicked off every call, you know, a heart share from every man. And that two minutes would become 20 because they really needed to spiral into something. And so there's a part of me that doesn't let myself go there because that space isn't necessarily for me to take 20 minutes. So that's my story. And so I'm really learning. And there were plenty of times in holding space where I would get off. And my fulfillment of that space was never what happened. It was my presence to what was happening. And when I was holding an agenda or I was moving us along, or there were some times that we were in a really tight time container because people had to go on the hour. I was like moving beyond the pace of what was actually wanting to happen. And I was like, but I have this sweet activity planned later in the call. And so, no, we're just going to keep hard chairs at three minutes today. And then I would get off and be like, man, we could have stayed in hard chairs the whole time. And that would have been the deepest medicine for all of us. And so I'm learning and when we did our in-person immersion at the light center, actually, like all the guys mm. came from all over the country and we had three days together there. Um, I felt really connected to guidance in that time. And so I had an agenda every like morning I would, I had an agenda before we went in for the days. And then every morning, like after meditation, I would work through it. And both Saturday and Sunday morning, I actually got the opening circle and like I opened my book and I looked at it to begin and both mornings I totally scratched it. Wow. Wow. And those were like two of the more beautiful days of my life because there was actually just something else alive in the field. And where I want to like end this is that in some way, my capacity to listen to what needed to happen for the group was held by the group. So it wasn't Thomas alone holding like, I need to be a good facilitator. People flew in from around the country. People are paying for this. Like my capacity to say, I actually want to trust the field like that was the support that those 11 other men gave me. 
Hmm. Because they believed in me, they believed in what needed to happen. And so that was such a huge gift is growing me up as a facilitator of like, so maybe the way that I'm pulling on the circle isn't vulnerably sharing for 15 minutes at the beginning of a, of a hard chair, but it is saying like, hey, I need help to actually serve this space. And that seemed to come, you know, like that field seemed to say, Thomas scratched their whole agenda that had so much thought and had all these references and came from all these teachings, like scratch it and actually just go with what you're feeling. And we had so much fun doing that. Like the stuff that came through was like so surprising to all of us. And it's nothing that I had ever done before. It wasn't something that I had experienced in a men's space. It was just like, what's going on here? Like, how are people sitting? How are people touching each other? Let's do this. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> it, I just flashed to a, um, a Gestalt uh, awareness group that I was in at Esalen. It was a month long with about 15 people. And the Gestalt facilitator would start off the session and he wouldn't really say anything. And people started like asking questions and he started answering some of the questions and, and you know, it would go some places. And this, this happened a few days. And then all of a sudden people started getting kind of irate. They start <laughs> off, they're going, I paid all this fucking money and you don't even have an agenda. And then somebody else would go and say, you know, why don't you just relax? You know, that's that's a little hard. We don't know. And then somebody would else chime in. Yeah, but I also paid. And then after that was going on, he's like, now we got material to work with. <laughs> <laughs> and it was brilliant. And I was like, wow. You know, just to allow what really comes up that's really authentic and what's really real. Yeah. And especially interpersonal yeah. to allow what's real instead of I love facilitating exercises and so forth but you know when it's not contrived and being able to really deal with what's real because that we do that in our relationships every fucking day yeah. it's not contrived it's what's coming up it's real how do we deal with it what are we bringing are we bringing our heart are we bringing our curiosity are we bringing our compassion and those are the things that I want to bring my and I don't know if I'm bringing them all the time. Yeah. It makes me, um, takes me to this thought of, of one of the men's groups that I was a participant in. And there was um, a lot of encouragement and actually like a shared agreement to bring charge when we felt it with another, because their hypothesis was that there are so many walls to connection with our brothers that when you're feeling charged, you're feeling like an incredible amount of judgment, there's something to be with there because that's actually like why we're in this space, you know, to break down some of those walls we've built as men to one another. And so honoring what's going on interpersonally is the pathway through that way more than any activity or, or agenda could offer. Yeah. Which, yeah, that makes me want to put some voice to, um, I have to believe without being able to know this, that this is the most disconnected we've ever been as men from one another. And the, where there's the most distrust present, where there's the most competition present. And there's this elder in my life and her woman, her, her name is Woman Stand Shining, Pat McCabe. She's a Diné grandmother. And she came on to one of our councils. Um, she does a lot of work around the masculine and the feminine. And she came on to one of our councils as a guest. She told this story that she received. And she said something like, Spirit, why are men killing each other? Like, why are they cutting each other's throats? Like on the battlefield, in the markets, like how has competition gotten so bad? And she said, there was this look of like spirit crying. And they said, like, it was never supposed to be like this. Like I gave men a competitive spirit so they could playfully challenge one another and become more skillful. And it's totally lost its core. And now it's the root of disconnection between men, competition. Hmm. And that really touched me. And yeah, I mean, I even feel it in my own life, like, the, the barriers to letting another man love me hmm. and the barriers to loving another man, it feels like perhaps the most vulnerable thing that I could do because it's actually giving power away. 
and saying like, here, you can, you know what's alive in me, you know where I'm weak. And if you choose to misuse that, you could really hurt me. Because when my armor's up, you can guess where I'm weak, but you might have to take a lot of shots before you hit me. And if I put up a facade that I'm strong, you might not even mess around. You might just go look for somebody else. But the second I actually let you in, you know where you could just twist me all the way down into the ground such that I couldn't get up again. And we're coming from hundreds, if not thousands of years of doing that to one another as men, you know? And to me, a lot of that goes back to, in our Euro- for those of us that are European descended, to the witch trials and the dark ages in Europe, right? Where 9 million women were killed during the inquisition. And Pat also talks about this, that as a man at that time, that was probably the first time at scale that men could no longer fulfill their sacred responsibility to protect and provide. And they're watching their wives, their daughters, their mothers, their grandmothers burned at the stake at the hands of other men. And so she draws this disconnection of the distrust in women coming at that time, but also the distrust in men from one another because it was so brutal. And we've seen violence like that in the years before, but it was so brutal at such a scale for so long that there was no safety in trusting somebody else. And men were so desperate that they would betray their brothers, their fathers, their best friends to to fulfill their responsibility to protect their women. That's what those times asked of them. So of course we arrive on these shores 300 years later, totally in fear of letting anybody else in on those places most protected and those places most capable of being hurt. Hmm. What do you think some of the healing around that can be some of the unwinding of of the fear of of others knowing our truth or who we are or speaking up i know in my experience it's these like tiny little moments of revelation to another man and it's like when i'm in something with my beloved and it's in something that i feel shame about because I feel embarrassed that I'm still playing out this pattern or that I feel shame that I'm still running this thought pattern, you know, like I know better, but it's still overtaken my nervous system from that place of like almost embarrassment to reach out to another man and be like, Hey, this is what I'm going through. And I actually don't really even need coaching or advice. Like I just need to be seen that I'm really in this place of stuckness and I feel five years old again. And I feel like I'm, asking my partner to be my mom and take care of me. And I feel really embarrassed by it. And I just need you to like be with me in that. And it seems like the act of somebody receiving that for five or 10 minutes and just being like, hey, I'm with you and I love you. Like so much healing happens, Mm -hmm. you know? And then sometimes there's an authentic actual celebration in that. Like, wow, from my perspective, your capacity to be with this, your capacity to call me, your capacity to be honest, like that's massive. Like, and so some of the men that I find myself around, like you included, like those revelations that vulnerability is seen as a strength. You know, it's something worthy of affirming, not Mm -hmm. something just to allow. And I think that's helping craft this new story of masculinity when like the capacity to be in our hearts and express our hearts is uplifted by one another and uplifted culturally. That's beautifully said. What was coming to me around that was, if men express or learn better how to apologize, Mm. how that would transform. Because of course, taking accountability and responsibility um, for so much of men's world has been about weakness and about that competition that you were talking about earlier the fear of that, the fear of being known, the fear of being wrong, not knowing. But uh, many men that I work with have a very difficult time of deeply remorsefully and feeling remorse and taking accountability without feeling weak. Because what I love to tell men is, hey man, when you totally take that, it's empowering. Nobody's got anything fucking on you. You call yourself out. So... You got nothing to worry about. You're holding yourself accountable and that's so empowering, but it's so foreign for our culture. And I think that if we do that better, how beautiful that would be. You know, I mean, of course in our politics and we don't never see that. We never see that. Don't, don't say you're wrong, right? Don't admit that you're wrong. Whew. 
Yeah, it, it, it evokes two things. One is that when we're resourced and we feel strong, we have the capacity to be wrong. And when we feel like we're, we're like, we're one step away from the whole pyramid falling, from the whole house of cards falling, we're not gonna be the one that flips that last card that makes it come down. But when we're connected to who we really are, and there's some acceptance of who we really are, it's pretty easy to be like, man, I really fucked up. The other night, I, um, my beloved came home and there's a pattern that we run. We're like, and I just mentioned this, but I can feel really like a small child and like that she's my mom and I'm not getting the love that I need. And the words that I often use are like, I'm not feeling your love. Like I need to feel more love. And I've come to see that it's just something for me to heal. And it's a projection that I'm just putting onto our relationship. And so the other night she got home from work and she was just like, she was herself and it had been a long day. And so it wasn't the most present dinner and it just was what it was. And towards the end, I was like, hey, I'm feeling that again. Like, I'm feeling like you're not loving me enough and I need some more affirmation or I need something. She's like, I hear you, I hear you. And she went upstairs and I was doing dishes and it hit me. I was like, this has nothing to do with her at all. Like she got home from work. Like she's been incredibly loving to me. And so I went upstairs. I was like, hey, I want to just take full responsibility for what just happened downstairs. Like nothing, none of that has to do anything with you. Like I'm just hurting. And she's like, Thomas, like, she's like, I love you so much. She's like, that is so like such a turn on and so good to just hear you take responsibility. And it does actually feel like that, you know, like, oh, it's not going to break me. It actually is allowing me to touch more of myself instead of pushing that part down. And like, yeah, I'm thinking about politics, like, or even anything public. Imagine if there were the space to come and be like, hey, I messed up or I was speaking from some hurt part of me. And in claiming that, we're actually giving space to that hurt. We're bringing that hurt back to the whole instead of saying like, oh, I will never take responsibility for what I did to that woman or I will never take responsibility for making a wrong decision. We're like pushing those parts away from us because they did come through us. You know, we did hurt that woman or we did make that bad decision. And it's also really hard at a time culturally where I don't feel like there is a space in the dominant story for forgiveness, yeah. apologies and forgiveness, you know, like one wrong thing and like you're out. What about the Japanese culture? One wrong thing and shame, you got to commit Harry Carey. You know, I mean, yeah. literally disembowel yourself, you know, or, you know, nowadays they don't do that, but more of it is that they just totally resign and put themselves in shame. Yeah. And that is not taking the accountability and the embodiment of that. Totally. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a way that our culture is so, um, perhaps the word is like presentory, that we expect if you're in a position of power, or you're in a position of leadership that you've arrived. So like, okay, and you've done your, you've, you've grown, you know who you are and now you're here. And we know that that is just never the case in being human. We're always growing. We're always finding and reclaiming more of ourselves. And so... I just imagine a world where our expectation of our leaders and those, our role models would be one where we get to witness them grow and change too. Yeah. And that a leader goes into office and they feel the capacity to come out and say like, hey, I made a mistake with this information. I thought that this was the right thing to do and it was actually wrong. And that like we get to watch them grow and the celebration isn't in their presentory, strong, all-knowing, wise, perfect self. The admiration is actually in witnessing these people grow and change, kind of like we do with our parents. You know, I feel like if you asked anybody who has like the deepest connection with their parents, it's not, oh, my dad was perfect. And I saw him as an all-American dad. It would be something like, I watched them grow. I watched them mess up with each other and apologize. I watched them mess up with me and apologize. Like that's actually where the admiration lives because those people are inviting that from us. Because mm. if they can do it with themselves then they know that we can do it with us. And I got to witness my parents do that time and time and time again. And so there was some part of me that got to exhale and be like, I'm safe to mess up. Mm. I'm safe to try and to fail. And I'm not gonna have, my tribe's not gonna turn away from me. And that feels really pertinent in the work of men too, to be in a circle where the commitment to one another is when our first agreement is we're not here to like each other. We're huh. here to be each other's brothers. Hmm. And if we're looking to like each other, you're going to think that these six guys are the ones you're going to like and these six don't. But by the end of it, you're not going to like anybody, <laughs> you know, because there's always like something to not like in somebody's personality. But if you decenter that and you center that I'm their brother, you walk beside them no matter what they right. do. And you don't turn your back. And to be in a space where we have that, 
whether it's brothers, it's sisters, it's a mix of brothers and sisters and people who are identifying in realms way beyond the brother and the sister. Like if we're able to do that, like there's so much space for us to be who we are, you know? Yeah, that's truly being loved. I mean, to really love a brother. Well, I hear this and I've had friends that have several brothers and they would say, I'm not my brother's keeper, but I'll be with my brother. Mm. And I love that, you know? Mm. have friends that their brothers been addicts and did really shitty things, but they they just, I don't wanna say they stood by their brother, but they were always their brother. You know, there was something that they knew that they would still sacrifice. They're still helping that motherfucker move yeah. or do something. They're still there <laughs> sacrificing some of their time. Yeah. And I know that sometimes people are really toxic and we have to create distance from it. But I love that expression about that. We don't have to like each other, but we can be brothers with each other. And there's also like a component of, I can't imagine having a brother who's an addict, who you might see go back six, seven, eight times. And at some point you have to find distance perhaps, right? But there's something about these spaces, and this is a matter of privilege, but because people are opting into this space, they're coming with some capacity to grow and open and change. And so it's your great pride to walk outside these men who are growing and changing and inspiring you. Like you're not having to lift them up all the time. They've chosen to be in a space like this. You know, they're also holding you up and pulling you along. Um, It's kind of like an AA aspect of how people are choosing to be there. Yes. And choosing to see aspects of people that they know that they don't like and all the things that people disclose of what they've done in their life, but that they're there and that they're rooting for them. Yeah. And I think that's the, probably the other thing I, I know is like that part that men really root for each other. Yeah. And I love that, that to get away from that competition that I want you to succeed in life, not just in, in business and so forth. I want you to be happy. Yeah. Um, that's a big turnaround. Yeah. Flashes to me, there was this moment on our Last call we had or closing call for this first cohort, the like winter 22 cohort. There's one guy on there and he's sharing. And at this point, like the group was really versed and it wasn't just me facilitating. By the end, everybody was facilitating. Like they were all willing to hop in, to guide, to take somebody somewhere. And he gets done sharing and another guy in the groups like, hey man, I just want to let you know, like, it was like probably the most despairful share that this man had had. Like just everything externally was going wrong. And another guy chimed in and said, I've like never felt you so strong. And he just burst out crying. And, And they went back and forth for a little bit. And this guy was like, as if he were this incredibly talented facilitator, you know, like winding him into what was really coming up and what was he really feeling. And, by the end of it, like 10 of the 12 guys are crying, just witnessing this. And it was that feeling of like, I believe in your life. Like, I don't care how it's going with your partner. I don't care how it's going with work. I don't, I mean, I do care, but that's not what's central. What's central is like the reason you came to this earth and your unique essence. And I'm holding that above all else. And I'm celebrating that with you right now because I see it. And I'm so proud of you amidst everything falling apart. I am so proud of how you're carrying that. And I know to have that upliftment in my own life, like that belief in my own life from other men seems to maybe be the most powerful resource that I've tapped into. Of people just like believing in me, not what I do or who I am to people or what I say, but believing in me and helping me hold that even when it's really hard for me to, because days get dark. And if we would just do that, fathers and sons and brothers and, friends, if we would just do that more for each other. So much of what you're calling about, like this rebirth, I think would come, it's happening. But I think the awareness of just the conversation of you and I are having right now, Mm -hmm. hopefully it's given people the opportunity to take that risk, to show themselves, to just be themselves. And not out of just like personality and, you know, when I'm thinking about like humor, like there's one moment that came up, I think I told this story on a podcast before, but it was a moment in the corporate world that that I owned some stuff, but I did it out of humor. I I was giving a, a presentation to 
the account that I had was a $50 million account. The CEOs are there, CFOs, and, and I got some charts going. And all of a sudden the CFO from, from my client looked at the chart and he's like, that's totally wrong. And I looked at the chart, I fucking froze. Cause I was like, fuck, I fucked up. I looked at him like, yeah, that's totally wrong. And then this, this peace came over me. <laughs> and I just looked at it and went, well, that's cause it's in metric. And there was dead silence. And my CEO also went, metric. And he started busting out laughing. He goes, and I said, no, I'm sorry guys, that was a mistake. I'll have a new chart for you before you leave. And, and I sat down and, and my CEO, my friend, he leaned over and he goes, metric, fucking metric, that was great. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he gave me this kudos for, for the way I handled it. And in my personality at that, at that time, that was the way of me owning it through that kind of humor. Yeah. And I'm just wondering what it would be like to, if I would have owned it in a whole different realm. Because it was interesting afterwards, they trusted me even more, you know, that I owned it. I owned it in humor and they made a lot of jokes. Even months later, they, every time I would give them, you know, a chart, they were like, hey, is this fucking <laughs> metric? Or, but it was, it was, it really taught me something around, and, and it was that peace that came over in that moment. It was like, fuck it. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just own my shit, and I did it with humor. Yeah, that makes me think that because um, what I hear you saying is like once we begin to chart some of those pathways, like once that imprint actually gets to like come out into the world, we grow our capacity to do that more and more and more. And like with this client, you then established a pretty authentic rapport, right? And it's making me think about men's work that we need spaces to practice that. Because if you step out into the world in our dominant Western society and you fail, there isn't the space to like be picked back up, especially publicly. And so I found in men's spaces that it gives me a chance to spar. It gives me a chance to be like, okay, I'm feeling some part of me that's new or some expression that's new and I wanna try it on. But I'm really scared to go try it on on the metaphorical public stage. So can I try it on in the space of safety where y'all got me no matter what? Mm. And it doesn't matter if I sound good or if I sound bad or if I fuck it up, y'all got me. And it's like, we get to build, like we get to take our first baby steps in a safe space like that. A space where we're actually, there's a commitment to one another that goes way beyond our personalities. And then it allows us to have like some momentum behind that pattern when we bring it out at work or we bring it out even in an intimate relationship with a partner or we bring it out with a further away group of friends. Like it was a safe space to spar, you know? Um, even in anger or even in like, hey, here's a space I just really, something we did in one of the men's groups that I was a part of was these charge clearing activities. And they would encourage like the facilitators when we felt charged with another man to actually just let it roar. And so it was pretty somatic. So it wasn't just words, but like, hey, this is something you're so not allowed to do. You're allowed to do that here. And it's incredible the learnings that would come when we were given permission to like go off on somebody for three or four minutes, just like, cause then all the judgments spew. And then there's just raw emotion and the raw emotion is often pointing towards something in yourself. Right. But like, you could never, I mean, that's not, it's not appropriate to do with a beloved. It's not appropriate to maybe do in a public space, but we need that. And so we have this world now where we have like, the nuclear home with layers and layers and layers of walls. Nobody ever gets to know what happened to the nuclear home. And we're playing it out with our kids and our partners because we don't have these spaces. And then right outside this nuclear home that's safe and protected in some ways, even if toxic, is the world. And it's like, imagine a world where there's many steps before the world. And one of those is a men's space or a woman's space. And you're getting to like find yourself in ways to play out these patterns that need playing out. You know, cause like in this world right now, like, man, I'm walking around with so many wounds from my lineage, my ancestry, the collective, my childhood, like therapy is the only place I have to go. Mm. Like I got to pay somebody $250 an hour to like, help me work this stuff out. Like what a blessing that's there. And there's these spaces that were birthrights to humans. Like yeah. men have been gathering with men for tens of thousands of years and women have been gathering with women and two-spirited people have been gathering with two-spirited people and playing a role in the men's space and the women's space. Like we need these spaces because we can't actually become whole without them. So like, why do we think domestic abuse is so high, right? Like why do one in four men 
like under 30 have contemplated suicide. Three out of four A's in high school, I just learned are being earned by women, not men. Like the numbers are crazy. And it's because we've totally lost a space that is made to feed us and made to grow us up. And so instead we get to 35 years old with kids and we're still walking around as boys playing these patterns out on our own kids and our wives, you know, when that stuff has a space somewhere and it's not in the home. And it reminds me of AA. Like I don't have experience with AA, but it sounds like what that, that's what that is, you know, like a space to actually play this out and give voice. And it's not fair for your wife to be the only one holding your recovery journey. Like what a massive burden. And it's not fair for my wife to be the only one holding my journey of becoming a man. Like what? Hmm. That's what we've done to our women. Like after everything we've done to our women for 5,000 years, now they have to be our emotional support and our only place to grow and our sparring partner. Like, fuck, if I'm a woman, I'm just done. If I'm a conscious woman, I'm like, opt out. I'll go be with a woman, (laughs) you know? And so as we have these spaces to express this kind of stuff, like we come home and we're more integrated in our masculinity and everything else thrives. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And even that, that that's a, a consistent practice because just like AA, people don't always fucking feel like doing it. Yeah. And I'm sure in all the men's groups, men don't always feel like, you know, I can't wait to go to my fucking men's group tonight. <laughs> it's like, fuck. And, but the aspect of knowing it's there and the consistent and just showing up, you know, yeah. I mean, I think like that's the part of just life is just like, just showing up, yeah. you know, discussion that we just had briefly before. It's like, we're just showing up. Showing up as a farmer today, just showing up as whatever role that I'm I'm playing, I'm just showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Should we take a quick break to present our sponsor? <laughs> yeah, sure. This podcast is brought to you by a product that could by a product who in its absence, we could never sit here and have this conversation, a product that fills us up from our feet to our toes, a product that makes you feel higher than you could ever be. I introduced you for the cost of nothing, source energy. <laughs> if you'd like to join some of this, you can head on down to your nearest creek, waterway, babbling stream or river, Type in prepo.com slash source and you'll receive free access to be filled right on up. So I want to thank Source for being a part of this conversation and sponsoring this podcast's presence. We could not do it without you. <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. Beautiful, baby. Beautiful. Because that's the truth, right? Tapping into Source is where we're going to get our our knowing of ourselves, our acceptance of ourselves. And I've been doing that more and more. Um, I've been talking about the grounding and just yeah. being outside and get my bare feet on the earth, like like really tapping into that source. It's just something that's just so, um, I don't want, it's not even energizing for me. It's just more, less static around do's and don'ts right now in my life. And just, yeah, it's acceptance. Like the earth has me, it's holding me up. Mm. And I floated the other day at that still point. I plugged still point in. Yo, Corey, man, still point. <laughs> and uh, I just was thinking of, wow, you know, I just I had to stop. Yeah, man, it's hard to be a man in this world. I was thinking that, I was feeling that. Because I was thinking a lot of the providership of how I've been in the years. Coming up to being 60, that was my 60th birthday day. And I was just feeling really good about myself in many ways too, but also the the sadness and the vulnerability of uh, maybe aspects of how I sacrificed myself. Yeah. And I realized I was being held up the whole time I was oh. in that feeling <laughs> by that salt water oh. tank, just, just totally being held up by a beautiful energy that I didn't have to effort at all. And what a beautiful existence in that feeling of not efforting, because I think that that's one thing that that men have such a mm, a scar in about the efforting that it takes to to be alive and to be the man they think they should be. I want to ask you: Are we good on time? Okay. Yeah, we've got a few more minutes. Okay. Because there's something I want to ask that I sense is going to provoke something in me. You know, you've 60 years, 25 plus married, 
you know? Yeah, 28. 26 of the father. Yeah. Like, what has it been like for you? I have this belief. It's not mine. It comes from a long line of people that like we have a sacred responsibility as men to be providers and protectors. And we're in a world pretty devoid from those original instructions and the capacity to fulfill them. And so I'm like with you, it's as, as if I'm just asking you for the first time and you don't have an answer and you're just like gonna let something come out is like, what's it actually been like to be a provider and a protector in this world? It's been hard as fuck. You know, it's been hard in the way of just like, did I do it right? Mm. You know, whatever that means. Um, the struggles all along the way, but it's been the most beautiful path. Yeah. I wouldn't give up yeah. the experience of, of doing that. Yeah. And so when I, when I feel that it's been hard, it's been also the growth of it's who I am yeah. and I do it so naturally now. Yeah. And uh, getting these beautiful uh, birthday expressions, Father Day cards, uh, voicemails from my son about the recognition of me providing and how he deeply appreciates it and my wife. Then there's something that I can think like, I done good, you know, to, and of course it's supposed to be hard if if I get that much reward from it. So it's been a beautiful journey around it. And I'm, I think I'm, I'm much more accepting of that, that role now and even my family, how they, they tell me I don't have to be that role anymore. I'm thinking, yes, I do, <laughs> but not in the way that I used to. So um, I've loved the journey um, and I really am proud of myself in the journey of it. Um, yeah. I want to take a moment to just sit in the recognition and pride of yourself. Like, well, like you did that. Yeah. You've done that. You're doing that. Yeah. You're showing up for it. You know? Like, wow. Yeah. And, and the realization of like showing up in the providing whatever influence I can for my family to, to thrive in their own personhood. That to me is, is what I recognize around providership yeah. now, you know, kindness and compassion and love. So that's, that's the providership that is different than what I thought of how I needed to focus on the money and the house yeah. and the car and the whatever of in the food and that's all there, but no, nah, the real providership is, mm. the, is the space to create somebody's mm. well-being around kindness and compassion and generosity. Yeah. <sighs> that really lands. Mm. I, yeah, I wonder, cause I know too, like I, I'm curious if there's been feelings of helplessness at all in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's been many moments of, of helplessness around it, yeah. Big moments. I mean, I remember the helplessness. One of the biggest moments was when I was burying River, our baby that died, and I was carrying six, six foot, two six foot planks of wood from Earth Haven. And I remember just the physical and mental exhaustion and I, I fell to my knees and I was like, I can't do this. I'm not gonna be able to do this. And I remember at that moment I looked up and there were so many stars in the sky. And at that moment, I felt all those stars were my my brothers and other fathers mm. that have done what I'm gonna go do. Mm. I'm gonna go bury my child. Mm. And I felt so enveloped in that support. And that was one of the hardest moments of like to show up and provide uh, the container that my family needed at that moment. And it was a mo it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like what I hear that is like the vulnerability to actually fall down and say, I can't, I don't know. And I can't. And the strength that that takes as a man. And then the resource that comes in online on the other side of that, which is like, oh, from that place of vulnerability, you actually have the capacity to look up and realize you're held by tens of thousands of men that have gone through the same thing that you have, yeah. you know, but it, you would have never accessed that unless you're on your knees in the woods. Right. And so that willingness to actually fall apart. And it, it brings me some like a little bit of heartbreak because I feel like life has in it wired these moments of helplessness, these moments where like we have to give ourselves to that greater current and in that we actually find what we're looking for. And we now live in a world where we've constructed so much impossibility to actually provide and protect in the ways that we're wired to, that I feel like the norm for so many men now is some feeling of helplessness. But it's perhaps not the true feelings of helplessness that come from like losing a child or having a being or a partner that's really sick. It's coming from, there's actually not a job for me like this market that I've been promised with a college degree, actually there's nothing here. And so I have to live at home with my parents or there's actually not a schooling system that allows my children to be there without being on a bunch of meds or having a bunch of shots. Like we've now created a culture where people are increasingly, there's a very narrow path if you wanna be a part of that. And there's massive feelings of helplessness I find in men who are trying to exist outside of that path. And it makes me feel like, the strength that we must all have to be here right now, like what we must have chosen before we incarnated here, like what we must have known to come here at this time where we knew it was gonna be this hard. Like it is so hard for so many men right now, so hard and not so much your generation, although I think that's there, but like my generation and your sons, like so, like this is the life that they were promised, the life that they were told was successful and it's falling apart in front of their eyes. Yeah. And they're yet feeling this call to be the providers and protectors and they just can't, you know? And it's like, maybe they're woman earning the money for the family, which is beautiful, but it maybe isn't the most initiated expression of that man. And he's carrying all of that shame and it's collapsing on himself. And so I think I'm saying this because I don't know how many young men you have as listeners, but like, it's a really fucking hard time to be a man right now. And we're not victims to it. We chose this. And there's something that we're like stewarding in, putting something down and allowing something new, but it's happening through us. It's not happening, oh, and that man over there and that man who's leading and that man writing that book, it actually has to happen through us because we're life itself. And so like, yeah, I think we deserve a lot of compassion amongst ourselves and within ourselves for what it's like to carry this stuff right now. It's a hard time. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad that you are here. <laughs> I love you so dearly, <laughs> Elvis. Yeah. I'm so glad that you chose to be in this space in this time and, mm. and that our space and time is interacted and crossed and, and our families love each other so much. So thank you for also coming today and just speaking your your heart around this and connecting with me in this way. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Thank you for inviting me on and I feel connected to you and yeah. Grateful for like, there are many moments that I like feel, yeah. Or just tears were welling up and I'm really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Like just to actually get that. I've heard that river story before. And that's the first time that I've actually been present enough to like really receive mm. that. And that's a really big gift to me. Mm. Thank you for revealing yourself on here. Mm -hmm. And thanks for welcoming me on and loving me through all the ups and the downs. Absolutely. And being like second parents out here. Mm. I love you, my brother. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to that conversation with Thomas and I. And I wanted to make sure that I gave you some information in the men's work that Thomas is involved in. There is a new council group starting August 16th, and it runs for four months. And there are still a few openings available for that council. So check out the website, heartofmen.community for more information. And you can 
check that out in the show notes to get that link to find out more information about the new council group that is starting August 16th. Okay, everybody, take that leap if you're called for, that you really want to experience what a brotherhood is. Alrighty. So I hope you all just make yourselves a beautiful, beautiful day. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.